Hey, welcome to Cooking Politics. I'm Cass, your host, and I'm back, finally. Before we get started with today's conversation, let me tell you about Anchor. Anchor is the platform that I use to host all of my podcasts. It's easy to use. You just go to anchorfm.com, download the app to your smartphone or your computer, and you can start your own podcast today. It doesn't have to be about politics. It doesn't have to be about women not having equal rights in the U.S. Constitution. It could be any topic that you have a passion for. Maybe you're into comedy. Maybe you're into music or sci-fi or crimes. Whatever your genre is, Anchor is the best platform that I have found to use to host your own personal podcast. So, without further delay, go to anchorfm.com, download the app to your smartphone or your computer, and get started on your podcast today so I can listen to your podcasts as you listen to mine. Today, we're going to talk about former President James Earl Carter Jr., also known as Jimmy Carter. As most of us have learned, he has been battling some health issues, um, cancer being one of them, and he has decided to stop treatment and go home and accept hospice care. So I thought it would be a good time to just talk about his presidency and what kind of man he was. So let's get started. I'll start with his accolades. Carter graduated from the United States Naval Academy in 1946 with a Bachelor of Science degree and joined the Navy, serving on numerous ships. But after his father's death in 1953, he returned to Plains, Georgia, and took over the family peanut farm. He became Georgia's senator from 1963 to 1967. After leaving the Senate, he stayed engaged in politics and social projects, which led him to receive the Nobel Peace Prize in 2002. Carter, a member of the Democrat Party, He served as the 76th governor of Georgia from 1971 to 1975, and in 1977 to 1981, he served as the 39th president of the United States of America. Born on October 1, 1924, in Plains, Georgia, he is the first U.S. president born in a hospital where his mother worked as a nurse. He is the oldest son of Bessie Lillian Gordy Carter and James Earl Carter Sr. Carter Sr. was a successful local businessman who ran a general store and was an investor of farmland. Carter Sr. also served in World War I. The Carters moved several times but eventually settled in Archie, Georgia, which was almost entirely populated by impoverished African American families. Carter Sr. was staunchly pro-segregation, but he allowed Jimmy to befriend the black farmhands' children. Jimmy was given one acre of Carter Sr.'s farmland, where Jimmy grew, packaged, and sold peanuts. Jimmy graduated from high school in 1941, by which time archery in Plains, Georgia, had been impoverished the Great Depression. The Great Depression began with the Wall Street crash of 1929 and spread worldwide. This resulted in a decade, 10 years, 10 years of high unemployment, poverty, low profits, deflation, plunging farm incomes, lost opportunities for economic growth and personal advancement. Overall, there was a general loss of confidence. But the Carter family benefited from the, quote, New Deal, end quote. 
farm subsidies. Jimmy played basketball on the high school team, and he also joined Future Farmers of America, where he developed a lifelong interest in woodworking. In 1941, Jimmy started the undergraduate undergraduate coursework in engineering, then transferred to Georgia Institute of Technology, thus earned admission to the U.S. Naval Academy in 1943. While at the Academy, Jimmy met and fell in love with Rosalind Smith, a friend of his sister, Ruth. They married after his graduation on July 7, 1946. Jimmy played football as a sprint football, formerly called, quote-unquote, light football. Jimmy graduated 60th out of 820 midshipmen. Jimmy has always showed a deep commitment to Christianity. In 1942, Jimmy became a deacon and taught Sunday school at Maranatha Baptist Church in Plains, Georgia. As president, Carter prayed several times a day, professing that Jesus was the driving force in his life. He was greatly influenced by a sermon he had heard as a young man that asked, quote, If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? End quote. In 2000, the Southern Baptist Union announced they would no longer permit women to become pastors. Carter then renounced his membership, saying, quote, unquote, I personally feel that women should play an absolutely equal role in service of Christ in the church. He remained a member of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship and, in 2007, along with Bill Clinton, he founded the New Baptist Covenant Organization for Social Justice. Back in 1946, Jimmy married Rosalind in the Plains Methodist Church, the church of Rosalind's family. While Carter Sr. was staunchly pro-segregation, Jimmy opposed racial segregation, and he supported the growing civil rights movement. So, going back to Jimmy's presidential years, Jimmy was the quote-unquote dark horse, and in 1976, and in the 1976 presidential campaign, he won, beating out Republican incumbent Gerald Ford. On Jimmy's second day in office, he pardoned all Vietnam War draft evaders by issuing Proclamation 4483. Going back to 1974, former President Gerald Ford signed a proclamation that granted amnesty to draft evaders, provided they work in a public service job for two years, but those who left the country were not eligible. 90% of the evaders went to Canada, with nearly 50,000 of them settling there permanently. Carter's proclamation did not offer amnesty to deserters. So basically, they were both doing the same thing, but Carter took the heat for it. During Carter's term as president, he created two new cabinet-level departments, the Department of Energy and the Department of Education. He also created a national energy policy that included conservation, price control, and new technology. Carter also pursued the Camp David Accords, a pair of political agreements signed by Egyptian President Anwar Sadat and Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Beijing. I hope I said his name right. These two agreements were signed at the White House, a peace treaty between Israel and Egypt, which led to Sadat and Beijing receiving the 1978 Nobel Peace Prize, which dealt with Palestinian territories, 
which was condemned by the United Nations because it didn't include participations from the Palestinians. Carter also worked on the two treaties that guaranteed that the Panama would gain control of the, of the Panama Canal after 1999, ending the control of the canal that the U.S. had exercised since 1903. Carter also pursued the Strategic Arms Limitation Talks, the acronym SALT. The international treaties involving the U.S. and the Soviet Union, which is now called Russia. SALT-1 led to the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty and an agreement between these two countries. In 1979, in the SALT-2, the U.S. Senate chose not to ratify the treaty because the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan. The Soviet Union also did not ratify it, and it expired on December 31, 1985. Carter was tasked with, quote-unquote, stagnation, a situation where the inflation rate is high, economic growth slows, and unemployment remains high. The end of President Carter's term was the 1979-1981 through 1981 Iran hostage crisis. Carter called the hostage-taking of 52 U.S. Diplomat, diplomats and citizens on November 4, 1979 by a group of militarized Iranian college students who supported the Iranian resolution. They took over the U.S. Embassy, holding them hostage for 444 days. Carter called this, quote, blackmail, end quote, saying the hostages were, quote, unquote, victims of terrorism and anarchy. Six American diplomats who evaded capture were rescued by a joint CIA-Canadian effort on January 27, 1980. Diplomatic negotiations failed to win the release of the hostages, so Carter ordered the U.S. military to attempt a rescue called Operation Eagle Claw. On April 24, 1980, one of the helicopters crashed into a transport aircraft, resulting in the accidental deaths of one Iranian citizen and eight American servicemen. These events led to the Iranian government entering the negotiations with U.S. and, and Algeria acted as mediator. This stain on Carter's presidency is said to have led to his loss of re-election. Thus, former President Ronald Reagan was elected, and even though Carter's administration successfully negotiated the hostage release, it was only after Reagan was elected that the hostages were for formally released. Carter was also in office during the 1979 oil crisis, known as 1979 Oil Shock, or the second oil crisis, which was caused by a drop in oil production following the Iranian Revolution. This resulted in sharp increases in gas prices, fuel shortages, and long, long lines at the gas stations. I remember this. Going on, the Three Mile Island nuclear accident happened in Pennsylvania, began on 4 a.m. on March 28, 1979. I swear, President Carter just could not catch a break. The cleanup from this started in August of 1979 and ended in December of 1993 and cost about $1 billion. The Nicaraguan Revolution was also during his presidency where the Sandinista National Liberation Front ousted the dictatorship in 1978 through 1979 and the Contra Wars waged between 
the Cincinnati National Liberation Front, led the government of Nicaragua and the United States, while President Carter tried to work with the Sandinista National Federation Front in 79 and 80. Reagan, in 1981, chose not to. It's a mess. You're going to have to internet search it. It's just really, that was a really nasty thing. Also during Carter's term in office, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan happened on October 31st, 1979. This internationally shocking invasion by Soviet Union into a practically defenseless county, and we're talking 1979 here, not the year 2000. So yeah, there's a lot happened between then. But anyway, President Carter placed a trade embargo against the Soviet Union while also boycotting the 1980 Summer Olympics in Moscow. Boy, that was a, woo, there was an outcry. Following President Carter's term in office, 1982 led to Carter establishing the Carter Center to promote and expand human rights. He traveled extensively to conduct peace negotiations, monitor elections, and further eradicate infectious diseases. Carter is a key figure in the nonprofit Habitat for Humanity. He has written over 30 books from political memoirs to poetry. At 98 years of age, he is still the oldest living, longest lived, and longest married, and the longest post-presidency president. He is also the third oldest living former state leader. I chose to do this podcast today to honor the most Christian president I've ever known. Yesterday, President James Earl Carter Jr. chose to stop medical treatment and entered into a hospice program. And it's so sad that he is nearing the end of his life. He has done so much for our country, both in elected office and out of elective office. I can only imagine his daily ritual of multiple praying times set aside to converse with God has led to his ability to accomplish so many godly deeds. Deeds that the common American can only try to think, to imagine, the strength required to accomplish. So with this, I pray to God that he comfort Jimmy during these final hours or days, and that God shower his family with love and comfort as they mourn their private loss. As an American, I hope fellow Americans can take some time to learn more about this very godly person and appreciate all that he has done for our country. Until next time, this is Cass, your host, asking that you find time to read about this honorable person and have a blessed day.